hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the next episode of Made to Win. And, um, man, I'm excited today because I've got some people on this podcast that mean a lot to me. There's going to be a lot of shenanigans today. That's a fun word. Yeah. It's a fun word, shenanigans. Um, but uh, I want to, first of all, we'll, we'll start at the end of the table and work our way around. Oh, uh, but... Tyler, tell everybody who you are. What, yeah, why, yeah. why are you here? <clears throat> why am I here? Tell about the new song. Tell uh, about the new song. Yeah. <laughs> Cut the Spotify off and tell. First of all, before you tell us who you are, what? How does the first verse of Graves in the Gardens go? Uh, <laughs> we're not going to bring that up. Okay. However, right. you can go over <laughs> somewhere to probably find out. Uh, generation I, Church. Yeah, GenerationChurch.me/slash/failedlyrics. Yeah, failedlyrics. Maybe. Maybe maybe we should do that. Generationchurch.me <laughs> slash worship fails. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who are you? What'd you Why ask you me? <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Tell everybody well, who you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Introduce Tyler Gilman. And, uh, man, I'm so honored to be here today. It's really cool. Um, currently serve as the youth pastor here at Generation Church. And, uh, man, I'm just pumped to be a part of the ride. So yeah, thanks yeah. for having me, man. Yeah, man. And then we got Mr. Preston. Preston Owens. I'm the creative arts director here at GC. Um, I did my time in youth ministry <laughs> as well, and um, he's out. He's out on probation. That's right. Yeah, they won't yeah. let me come back. So. <laughs> I got banned. I aged out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And I'm really honored today because you guys get to see uh, three of the petty team, <laughs> and so these are the offspring right here. These are my <laughs> my offspring. So I'll let the oldest go first. You tell everybody who you are. Um, I'm Lana. Uh, I'm 15 and I'm a about student, to be oh, about to be 16 yeah. in nine days. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, and so <laughs> I'm actually a student in uh, the youth ministry here at our church. So yeah, yeah, awesome. And then we got who? I'm Maya and I'm 12. I'll be 13 in October, and I'm also a student in youth ministry. Okay, awesome. All right, and then we got the one and only, the one and only. True dog, true at petty. Tell everybody hi. Hi. <laughs> hey, you said that you had a joke you wanted to tell, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell a joke. Okay. What's a fish without no eye? What's a fish without no eye? Without no eye? <clears throat> I don't know, man. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fish. <laughs> it's a fish. Hey, it's a fish. You want to tell everybody what your favorite color is? My favorite color is red. Is there any other information you'd like to tell people about <laughs> Truett? What's your what? What are you playing right now? What do you like to play? Baseball. Baseball. Who's our favorite team? The Red Sox. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Who do we cheer for in football? Tennessee Titans. And then who else? Tennessee who? Tennessee Vols. Yeah. So, yeah I thought for so, sure his favorite color would be volunteer orange. Nah, man. Nah, man. It's it's red, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, do you have a talent you want to display? Do you want to show everybody how you can beatbox? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, here we go. Let's this go, this is the first on the Made to Win podcast. Here's Truett's next hit. It's called Push. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it up for Truett. That was good. That was good. Hey, thanks, buddy. I love you. Love you, Daddy. All right. That was true. It's uh, really quick. 
cameo. Cameo yeah. on the Made in Man podcast. Out. I did yeah. my beatboxing. I'm out If here. we had him on here the entire time, he would be a major distraction. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I had to give him his little five minutes of fame. That's awesome. But I am excited about today's episode. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I asked my, my daughter specifically to be on here uh, because, one, I wanted to dive in and talk about I'd love to get their perspective of growing up in a family that's been in ministry. I mean, they've they've basically grown up in ministry their entire lives. You know, um, I was a student pastor when Lana was born, and then also when Maya was born. But when Maya was born, she was two when we started this church in 2012. And so she's that's really all she's known is Generation Church. Lana can remember a little bit of student ministry days, but not much. She was actually going into kindergarten when we started the church. But And then what most people don't know about Tyler is Tyler is also a PK, or what's known as a pastor's kid. Grew up, dad was a pastor, a little bit different. I mean, your dad played a lot of roles yeah. in churches. I mean, youth pastor, associate pastor, lead pastor, yeah. like been through it all pretty much. And then... Preston's family's not necessarily, they weren't necessarily in ministry, but um, today we are talking about uh, student ministry. We're talking about teenage ministry and all those kind of perspectives. I really want to dive into the aspect, especially families in ministry, because I think sometimes we get so focused on what we're doing, we don't realize a lot of times I've seen so many people, because PKs get a bad rep, right? They're always like, oh man, you know, oh, pastor's kid, huh? Like, I bet they're terrible, you know, but I think that's Not only, you guys. F- yeah, 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 nobody ever says no. that about you, but I think no, the, no. but I do think that I've seen the positive and the negative, right? Yeah. And I think what happens a lot of times is people drag their kids through ministry instead of like doing ministry alongside of them. And so we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into your experiences because now like you were a PK, but now you're a father yep. of three, just just had a, a a brand new not you but your yeah, wife yeah yeah Lindsay, yeah don't give me the credit for that yeah, yeah. Uh, Chandler LeBron James yeah Chandler Matthew, Moore LeBron James yeah yeah, yeah. Chandler James Gilman Chandler is James the newest Gilman. addition uh, what's your other two we got Abigail Rose Gilman she is four years old and we got Zeke uh, who is wild he is I guess going on 18 19 months old I don't Zeke even just know. has yeah, one name just, yeah, yeah just he's, Zeke just yeah, Zeke he's just his own Zeke. thing yeah. And then well, he's, he's the artist formerly known as something like he's got his own symbol. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And then we have Chandler. Um, he is how old now? Oh, six months, seven. Six no. months. Yeah, yeah. How old? Is six he? months. Six months old. Oh, yeah. I was like, no, six weeks. Six, six weeks. This oh, is shoot, what am I, I doing over here? Like, Lindsay's off screen. Lindsay's off screen writing up separation uh, papers. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. He is okay. six weeks old. Yeah, and so this uh, really plays uh, into the grief. earlier conversation about graves in the garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you, you <laughs> get it. He can't remember lyrics or <laughs> oh, how old his kids are. Yeah. Too many, man. Yeah, well, yeah, four. So that's really no well. And, and so you're how old now? I just turned twenty nine. Twenty nine. So give yeah. people context mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Tyler was eighteen and yeah. just graduating high school when we started Generation Church mm-hmm. ten years ago. Yeah. So you're talking about a span of like growing up in ministry, you know, then you graduate high school, find your wife in church, married. Now you're in ministry yeah. full time and trying to figure out like how to be a dad, husband and uh, all, all those yeah. good things. And so Preston's story is a little more traumatic. <laughs> 
You can remember stuff. Yeah. Well, walk us through just a little bit of your, you know, kind of your, you and Kelly's brief history, you know, story. Yeah. College, kids, all those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, we started dating uh, senior year, her senior year of high school. I just graduated high school. Um, the next year after she graduated, we both moved to southern Indiana, um, went to college there at Oakland City University. Um, I studied religious studies. She studied psychology. Um, second year of uh, college, we got married. And so our last two years of school, um, we were married. Uh, our first year of school, we were actually dorm parents or whatever. So we've always kind of joked like we've never, ever lived alone uh, because we got married and immediately we were living in an apartment in a dorm with 60 uh, college-age girls. <laughs> so it was like, oh, wow, you know, that'll prepare you for kids for sure. Yeah. Um, so then uh, we'd been married about a year and had our first daughter, Molly Grace Owen, since we're doing middle names. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, just 18 months later, we had Parker Eli Owens and, um, he's my only boy. And then a little over two years later, we had Lanny Kate. And then, uh, 15 months later, we had Hallie May. Uh, we call her Hurricane Hallie. Um, it's kind of, if any of you guys are doing math, they apparently don't like being alone. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And so they just thought, hey, we we got to hurry up and have another kid. Yeah. And so, so we we had yeah. four in five years. Wow. So Molly grief. Molly was wow. about a month shy of five years mm. old when Hallie was born. Mm. So yeah, they're all like right now they're. <laughs> see if I can get this right. Come on now. Ten, eight, six, and five, and Hallie's going to start school in the fall. So. Nice. We've been paying for childcare and diapers and all that stuff. Like we have like Guinness World Records on that stuff. Like consecutive years. Well, I think like you know, three I'm kids in diaper or two kids in diapers, three different occasions. Like and and we were in ministry, so like yeah, we as soon as we got out of college um, and had Molly, you know, she was born in January, and then I took my first, uh, which I was I was serving quote unquote part time in ministry at that point. Uh, I was a cable guy. No, you enjoy that. Cable guy. Cable guy. Cable guy. And um, I was doing cable, and uh, just really it was like, hey, we have to figure out how we're going to provide for a family kind of thing. And while I was finishing school, Kelly was finishing school, uh, she took like 21 hours her last semester just to get done. And, um, yeah, then we had Molly in January, went into full-time ministry in May, uh, doing student ministry and worship ministry at a church in Dexter, Missouri called Liberty Hill. And, um, yeah, spent six and a half years there and came on staff here in August of 2018 uh, as the next-gen coordinator at the time. Mm-hmm. So, Wow. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Well, all of us have had some kind of experience. We're going we're gonna to dive right in because I think today's topic is helpful in a lot of ways because, you know, when you're talking about trying to reach the next generation and you're also in ministry – and you have kids that are a part of that next generation. Um, you know, I think it's just a a vital conversation, especially for a lot of parents out there that are trying to figure out, like, hey, how do I how do I disciple my kids? How do I lead my kids through different seasons of life? All those different things. And it's cool because I think all of us here at this table we're all at different seats, perspectives, and seasons of dealing with those things. But I also wanted my girls to be able to speak candidly and transparently about their experiences, you know, because I'd, I'm not naive to, to think that you know, Jess and I have been perfect in any of this stuff over the last 15 years of being a parent. 
Jeff, but Jess might have been. Jess right? might have been, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not me. <laughs> no, nah, I'm teasing. Definitely not me, but we'll get in, in, in into that. So we're going to talk about those kind of things. But So I want to ask Tyler first. Uh, we're going to dive into our first kind of conversation, and that is, you know, how – how growing up as a pastor's kid affected you. And then we'll, we'll let Lana and, and Maya speak into this as well. So, so tell us about like maybe some of the positives of how growing up as a pastor's kid, how that affected you or impacted you. Um, I think first off, one of, one of the positives that I think of is just the love for the local church. Um, both of my parents served. Um, like you said, my dad was a youth pastor associate pastor, lead pastor, and I saw the love that they had for the local church, and that bled over to me, um, whether, you know, serving at whatever capacity, mm-hmm. um, and then all the way down to, you know, even after my dad transitioned out of full-time ministry, him still serving the local church, uh, not in full-time ministry, that heart behind serving, um, that was one that stuck out to me, and to the community, you know, we were a part of several different churches when I grew up. But each church, it's kind of funny. Uh, <clears throat> when my dad transitioned out of uh, one church to the next, I told my parents, I think I was like four years old, yeah, I'm not I'm not going, you know, mm. because of the community <clears throat> I had built at that church. Um, I'm not going there. Yeah, y'all can just drop me off here or whatever. And <laughs> that's so crazy that I said that. I'm surprised my mom didn't smack me. But, uh, but it was cool because one thing, like my parents were always there to hear me out. You know, at the end of the day, no, they didn't <clears throat> drop me off or whatever. But they always were there to, like, hear my feelings, you know. Um, and hopefully some of that can roll over into uh, me parenting because it was cool. Even my transition from, you know, I was 18 in high school, still underneath my parents. Even me stepping out to come here kind of on my own, they were fully supportive. And like, hey, yeah, you need to go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was there's a few positives. Well, I think it was cool, too. Like you said, like your dad <clears throat> stepped out of full-time paid ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've seen a lot of times out of pastors who kind of like leave the full-time ministry is like, they just go to church. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's such a powerful testimony that your dad and your mom chose to come here and serve under a leadership. And man, he is a high capacity yeah. volunteer that still gets to pastor people. Mm-hmm. He's just not the lead communicator or lead pastor. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, that speaks volumes about the heart of your parents. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, your mom's a principal at elementary school, an elementary school that all three of my kids have grown up in and are growing up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, it's incredible that they don't just see ministry as something they get paid to do at a church, right. but they do it full-time in their lives. So, it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, I want to hear from my girls for a moment. And, um, it, Lana, if you want to go first, it doesn't matter, but... Um, just speak about like thinking back over the years, think about some positive impacts that us being in full-time ministry, how has that been positively impacted you? Um, positively. So there's a bunch of positives obviously, but, uh, one that like, I really like think about all the time is also the kind of like what Tyler's saying, like the love that I've seen everybody have for like the community and the local church and stuff like that. But also like, the miracles that I've been able to see or like the behind the scenes stuff. Like I know like we have advanced over the years. We've become, we've gotten bigger and we've had more people come, but like, it's not even that, that like catches my eye. It's like, what have we done to like, I've like, I think about like us having like 
900 baptisms over like the past 10 years. I got to find that awesome. And even at like the 10 year or 10 year, uh, I can't say that. 10 year revival. There. There (laughs) 10 year (laughs) revival. Um, Like seeing all those people come and like congratulate us and like not even congratulate us, like join in on those, like seeing the miracle. Cause like, like I feel like I see that a lot. Like, and I serve on our creative ministry as well. So like I, so we serve in kids too, right? And, and kids, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like our social media and our um, kids ministry. So like I see like those kids growing up. Like I grow up with those kids, and now I'm seeing those fifth grade girls and boys go coming to youth, and it's just like, oh my gosh, you're not supposed to be here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like seeing them all grow up and like seeing me in them a little bit because like when we started the church as you said I was in kindergarten like I was a little little kid (laughs) and so like growing up in G kids and growing up serving like seeing those girls and boys start serving at the age of like they're in fourth grade you know like just seeing all those miracles and also like even adults stepping into that position with their kids like not even just the kids getting to experience that miracle but the adults as well I think about um a family recently that um, at the same exact time, like the dad was getting saved and as well as his son and they didn't even know it. And so like, you see like families come together through that. So I guess it's like our saying, like we, we want to resurrect family trees. Mm. Like that's probably a positive that like comes from me, like seeing the miracle, like that God has fulfilled in our church Mm. and, um, uh, just also seeing the love that we have for our community and seeing how, um, our community loves us, like how people love us, you know, and then we love back through uh, God's love and all that. So that's probably my positive. So good. Maya, you want to jump in there? Um, a positive that I have is like all the love, like uh, people have for us, like all the love people have for us around us, like they're surrounding us and they're loving on us and everyone, like all my friends, they love on me and they know that I sometimes mess up and they just still love me. And everyone around me, they're like, oh, it's not just because I'm a pastor kid. It's because of the love I show. I feel like Mm. just like the love I give everyone. That's so good. You know, and I think I actually heard this statement yesterday. And it's a reminder, like, um, the grace you give will always be the grace you receive. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's it's true. You know, and I think that's that's what we've tried to model for our kids. You know, I know we haven't been perfect over the years. And uh, I think that's maybe the, the the turn we want to take just a little bit and maybe Tyler talk a little bit about maybe some of the negative impacts or if there's any moments that, you know, you were like, and maybe even thinking, man, I don't even, I would never want to do what my dad did and be in ministry, you know, mm. even though you find yourself in ministry today, yeah, you know, maybe you had a different idea of what you wanted to do, you know, as a teenager or whatever, maybe just talk about some of those things. Yeah, in all transparency, like, I don't know if I ever had a time to where it's like, hey, I don't want to do that. Um, but seeing and growing up um, and watching my parents being in full-time ministry, I really got to see, like, that behind-the-door, like, closed-doors type of stuff. And, like, I remember us talking the other day about, like, I'm kind of grateful that my parents – you know, they never name dropped or anything, but like, Hey, when situations would happen, like they would talk about that in front of me. And that kind of gave me a glimpse of like, man, just because this person comes to church or this person's this or that in whatever role, like people were all still messed up and messy. And, and that honestly gave me a different perspective on everybody. Like just because they 
do this or say this. Hey, they still have things inside that they deal with. Mm. Um, so honestly, being able to, you know, peek behind that curtain a little bit has honestly helped me a lot. You know, um, I've seen my dad just, you know, get a phone call and just have to go. And like mom, would you, you know, Hey, your dad, your dad just has to go. You know, if someone passed away, it could be two or three o'clock in the morning and my dad would just get up and go yeah. and I wouldn't find out, you know, in the morning or whatever, if he's not there, um, times where he's had friends and loved ones pass away and he would just have, he just got up and walked out. I remember one time in particular, just walked out the front door and didn't tell me and mom anything yeah. after he just got a phone call about one of his friends passing away. And it's like, man, you know, and then just being able to watch, watch my dad and, and my mom be pastors, but also be real, mm-hmm. you know, deal with real emotion. Um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of had a lot you know, my dad was a preacher. My mom was a teacher. I was an only child growing up. So there's three curveball. Like I should have been a hot mess and should not be sitting here right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's crazy just because my dad was a preacher. I played sports in high school and like we did uh, like some drills one time in football and like one of the players, like, come on preacher. Like he was calling me preacher. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not preacher. You know, like I feel some of that weight of like you have to act a certain way because you're a preacher's kid or your mom's this. Um, and that's so, what I wanted to press in on and ask. Like, yeah. did you ever feel like a pressure to perform in public, mm-hmm. you know, in the public eye? Because, man, you know, my dad's a pastor, so obviously, like, I've got to live up to some sort of standard mm-hmm. of perfection mm-hmm. because people are watching. Did you ever feel that weight? Maybe a little bit. <clears throat> um, I always wanted to respect my parents, and, like, I knew as a kid – like, whatever I do, not only does it reflect me as a person, but, like, hey, I gotta, I don't want to disrespect my parents. And I made mistakes. You know, I was not perfect in high school. I made bad decisions. But at the same time, it's like, hey, if my mom, you know, would that embarrass my parents if I got caught doing this or whatever? Um, and I'm, I probably thought a little bit differently than, like, a typical high schooler. Um, but I think sometimes – PKs get like you get told, oh, you wouldn't do that. You're a pastor's kid, uh, or you wouldn't go to this. You're a pastor, and then they, what do you mean I won't go to that? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go to that. Yeah. You know, don't tell me what I'm not right. just because of my dad or because of my mom. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of times they do get such a bad rep because they get told and they get told that they are something, and they're like, no, I'm not. That's my dad. So they make other decisions or well, whatever. Your identity becomes what your parents do for a living right? instead of like who you are in mm-hmm. Christ. Um, and so I think that's the, you know, what I'd like to hear from you two, like what is some of that pressure like and what's some of the negative impacts that you guys have felt over the years of being a pastor's kid? Um, I guess like it's always that like answer or question that somebody like has for you. They're just like, and they realize you're a pastor's kid. It's kind of funny, actually. Like, I remember just, of, like, a few weeks ago, and I'm a sophomore in high school. Like, people know me. Like, I know people. And so it's funny. Like, um, I also, like, serve at my school as an SCA officer. And so <laughs> one time uh, we, I was sitting there, and someone apparently realized, like, oh, my dad is Brandon Petty, the guy that is the preacher, is the um, pastor at Generation Church. And they were like, it's always that answer you're a pastor's kid yeah. <laughs> it's like then your heart just drops because you're just like is that good is yeah, that, what does like, that mean what does that mean like yeah. are you like surprised you just formed that an idea. yeah you just formed an that? idea yeah. does that mean like oh my gosh am I not like being a light in my school am I not like 
acting like Christ is in me, you know, or it's that, oh, well, maybe they're ha- maybe they're like, oh my gosh, she, no wonder like she, um, she portrays that light. What? Well, no wonder she's so kind to everybody. Like that's the that's the what you want, not the other one. Right. You don't want people to assume like, oh, is that what a pastor's kid? Is? Oh, it makes sense now. Y'all yeah, makes sense now. Makes sense. Yeah, I've had that response. Like people go, oh, you're a pastor's kid, or like, like I've actually been called in like the hallway. Like people don't actually know my name. They'll be like, hey, PK, and just walk by, and I'm just like, oh. Hey, (laughs) you know, but like, there's no shame in that. Like, Mm. I've never like been like, oh, I hate being a pastor's kid. Like, I love being here at the church. Like, y'all even gave us like options. Like, hey, like when we did Saturday night experiences and stuff like that, like, hey, if you want to stay home, like I did for a few weeks just because school was crazy Mm. and hard times, you know, they come and go. And then like, I remember getting so down because I'm like, oh my gosh, I miss it so much. And so like, there's no shame in that, but like, there's always going to be that one person, oh, you're a pastor's kid, you know? Um, And like, also like that pressure aspect, like performing, like you were saying, like sometimes you feel like, like even sometimes at church, I feel like I'm perform differently than I do like at school or something like that. And then because like those people see me here, like they're just like, oh, you're, you're serving, you're, um, you come with your parents, you know, yeah, right. um, like your dad's speaking <coughs> on stage, you know, um, and there'll be that aspect of like, oh, we expect more out of you, oh, mm. we like, uh, why didn't you say something in small groups at youth the other night, and then there's the other thing, they're like, oh my gosh, you literally led the group, you mm. you preached tonight, <laughs> it's kind of like Tyler was saying when they were calling you preacher, like I've had that, oh, like yeah. I've had them be like, oh, Lana, preach, preach, you know, and I'm just like, Saying an idea, yeah. yeah, it's just speaking what was in my heart. You well, know? they they almost suspect y'all to be me. Yeah, yeah, right? that's, yeah. That's kind of the sidebar to it. Is like, oh well, if you're Brandon Petty's kid, you should be just yeah. like Brandon Petty. Yeah, and I remember <clears throat> uh, in middle school, I I'm very snippy. I'm very sarcastic. Like, I don't know who I get that from. My mom, um, but anyways, oh, no. <laughs> you're gonna get grounded. Just know that, <laughs> that is, is not, not in my notes. notes. <laughs> the prep stuff, yeah. Anyways, that's um, it was in middle school. Mine's like, like writing that down. Yeah. Yeah. Mom, do you know what Lana said about you on the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> but there was this one time in middle school. Like, I'm very snippy, and so there was this guy that was getting on my nerves, and he was making fun of my friends, and so like I just said something that was very kind of mean, and he was like aren't you a pastor's kid? You're supposed oh. to be nice to everybody. Mm. And I was like, yay, okay, thanks. That kind of hit yeah. me in the heart. Like, am I not, like, representing, right. like, my family? <clears throat> am I not representing, like, a godly image? And it wasn't that it was, like, like, cussed at him. Oh, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I did something bad. It was just I made a, sn- a snarky remark. Sure. And they, had, like, they're immediately putting that pressure. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. are you supposed yeah. to? Well, it's like, you know. Your friends or mm-hmm. teachers or, you know, yeah. as you get older, coworkers or whatever, like, you know, they have this idea of what they would, ex- uh, I guess, accept from yeah. it's other like people. They, but then you're, you know, the bar is so much lower in terms of, like, yeah. the severity of something. Like, you know, yeah. just a snarky comment. It's like you know? when mm-hmm. you go into a classroom or an area, it's like when they find out you're a PK or pastor's kid, whatever, um, they expect you to come with guidelines almost. And it's like, if you don't perform by those guidelines, it's like, oh, are you supposed to do that? You know, like, are you supposed to talk like that? Are you supposed to be like that? Um, But I'd never try to take it to heart because like, I love being a pastor's kid. Like I would never take it, take it back. I love, Mm -hmm. I know, I I know I say I hate it, but I love being 
an example in your sermons. I love when sermon illustrations. Sermon illustrations. Well, I think that, I'm glad you said that because I think that was going to be a, another caveat to the conversation. Like we were having our table talks one night. It's our family night that we have conversations. We <clears throat> ask how each other are. We pray for each other. Those kind of things. And <clears throat> we had one of those moments. Like sometimes, like I'm by no means like um, an, an, an influencer on <clears throat> social media or whatever, but I think sometimes I do discount any the influence that we do have in this community. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, okay, people know Generation Church. People might know who I am, but, like, <clears throat> sometimes I don't realize that there's maybe a little bit more influence than I think. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, she comes home, and she's like, you know, it's weird when teachers and people are like, hey, you know, your dad talked about you in the podcast or your dad mm-hmm. talked about you in sermon, blah, blah, blah. And it's almost like this overwhelming feeling like how many people are hearing my life story or hearing things about my life that I either didn't give permission for you guys to look into that Mm. or, you know, feeling like all eyes are on me, you know, and I, you know, and it's that moment, like, I guess I didn't realize what I was doing to them at times. So now it's not that I don't tell stories, but even, even as they've come into the auditorium, so like Maya, you know, she moved up last year from, from kids ministry so it's like, which, you know, I still, like, most of my stories are now true it because <laughs> he's not in there yet. He's not in there yet to defend himself. But I am trying to be more conscious of at least having the conversation beforehand, like, hey, I might share this story. Is that cool? Because I think some t- oftentimes we, I do, I take for granted, like, oh, they, they enjoy being in my sermons. Yeah. They enjoy being talked about. But it's a different weight when you're at school and dealing with the expectations of what people have for you, it's kind of like I was actually working on uh, a sermon today and I was talking about how, you know, anytime you tell people what you do for a living, what do people automatically start doing? They ask you, all the questions pretend like you're like, oh, I'm a chiropractor. Hey man, I've been having this pain right here. Like what disc is that? You know, if I, I was told if you, you know, like it's the same way with like being a preacher or a preacher's kid. It's like the moment they find that out, like, Oh, well then you're supposed to be perfect. You're supposed to have mm-hmm. the answers to all of life's questions. You're supposed to, you know, and if you don't, then, Oh, well you're probably just a hypocrite or uh, average PK, mm-hmm. uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like you were saying earlier, Tyler, like we forget, like we are all still, on a journey, messed up, broken, which is the point of the local church mm-hmm. is to do life in community and grow together and have spiritual formation for not only our sake, but for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Maya, your turn, girl. Tell me about how being in ministry, if, if there's some negative impacts or even some of the pressure that you felt as um, a middle schooler, you know, growing up in ministry. Some things that Lana talked about, like the pressure, because like if like sometimes I'm at school or whatever, I'm like, oh, I did something wrong dad and mom are going to be mad at me or whatever. And, like, when I tell them, I expect, like, a bad reaction, but it's not, you know? But, like, I'm like, oh, no, they're going to be mad. And all my friends are looking at me. I feel like I'm going to be, like, embarrassed or whatever. Like, I get that a lot. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are people at church going to think if I do something wrong? Or what are they going to think if I do this? Like, I always think about that. But at the same time, like, I love, like, being in church, and I love – all my friends and at school, I love all that. It's just sometimes I feel like the pressure on me, like mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to do anything wrong. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like sometimes like it's that. like that constant like thing in your mind. It's like, yeah. oh, should I should I be here right mm-hmm. now? Should I like yeah. be talking? Should I be enga- engaging? You know. Yeah. Because people are looking at you all around, so it's like 
what should I do? Like, when people find out, it's like, oh, no, they're going to think, oh, you're so perfect, no, I do something wrong. It's like, oh, never mind. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I think the the first thing I would tell both of you is, like, to release that um, pressure to be perfect. You know, and that's what we've always tried to tell you girls, but <clears throat> I think um, too much when you get into a room, so there's like this healthy line, right? Like you hear people say, don't worry about what other people think, right? Especially as teenagers, you know, it's like, don't worry about what other people think. But the the negative side to going to the extreme of that is <clears throat> you also have to understand, like, it's also okay to be coachable mm-hmm. and teachable. That when people point out things or say things, um, you have to put it in context. So like, is this person trying to help me? So, like, sometimes people make remarks, and they're not really trying to help you. They're trying to throw darts at you. But anytime people judge others or throw darts, nine times out of ten, it's so they can feel better about their own mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so if I can put that in context and go, okay, they're throwing darts. I know how to protect myself from the darts. But there are also those people, it's like, hey, you know, you know your parents have taught you better than that. You know that you – then I go, okay, they're trying to – they care about my soul. They care about my well-being. And they're trying to coach and teach me. Um, and so I think that's kind of that natural line that you have to be careful because I do think we teach the next gen so often, like, don't – I mean, it's like – because it's like – it sounds like a really positive message. Quit focusing on what other people think about you. And, like, that's a good thing until you take it to the extreme where it's like, I don't care what anybody says. You know, then you just kind of do your own thing. You don't take any kind of criticism, coaching, whatever. And that's that's what being pastored is all about. Yeah, and I think that's an overcorrection sometimes pastors and ministry will make because they either fall in one of two extremes, right? Like, I'm just going to ignore this, or maybe I'm just so busy I don't ever see it, like what's going on with my kids. Yeah. Or it's like, well, don't let them judge you just because you're a PK, whatever. But I think what's really cool, I think, in what we've tried to cultivate even as a staff is there's sort of this permission that we all give each other. It's not like we ever just have this conversation, but it's almost like we just operate this way of like, you know, Pastor B, I know that if my kid is the one that needs some coaching, like I almost expect, like I want you to coach them in the moment or Tyler or whoever and vice versa. Like I think we all kind of share some of that weight um, so that you're not trying to do it by yourself. And I think that's the church. That's how the church should operate. hundred percent. Do you girls feel like you are a part of this team and ministry or do you feel like, you know, you're just pastor's kids? Um, I definitely feel like I'm a part of it mainly because like I've set myself apart from things that I like trying to word this right. Um, (laughs) so like I haven't, been like oh I'm behind, like I'm here just because my parents are mm. like I'm taking it like I'm a part of this like I'm here for a reason I'm meant to be here like mm. I'm going like um it's kind of like the serving aspect like it's not like I have to do this it's like I'm I want to do this yeah. like I want to engage and I want to um see what all the, see these miracles and these works that God's doing through our ministry. And I've definitely yeah. seen that. And, and so it doesn't just feel like, Oh, I'm here cause my parents are, mm. it feels like I'm here cause God led me here. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. 
I think the same thing also, like, kind of like that. But also, like, when we're off on weekends, like, I'm also, I'm like, oh, that mm-hmm. feels good to be a break. But I'm also like, I miss church. I want to go mm-hmm. back. Like, it's not that I'm forced to be there. I just want to be there because mm-hmm. it, like, it's encouraging and it helps me learn more. Yeah. And I just love hearing Dad preach. And I love mm-hmm. serving kids and seeing all the kids learn about Jesus and all that. And, like, the influence that it makes on people. And it's not even that, too. Like, not even, like, it's like you just miss the community and it makes your day better. Yeah. Like, it yeah. makes your week better. Yeah. Like, even just listening into the sermon and, or just, like, even, you learn so much back in G-Kids, like, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, those kids teach you so much about life and just, like, how you should be as a person. Because it's like, oh, I'm being, I'm an example right now, you know? And also, like, just missing out in the community and the encouragement, like you were saying, Maya, like it makes your week and your day and your mo- whole month better. Like yeah. you can miss one week out of a month and you could be like, oh my gosh, like I, uh, I don't know if I can go through the week, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that is the one thing that Jess and I have always kind of gauged success by is how much our kids love. So like they always make us feel convicted <laughs> for taking a Sunday off, you know, cause it's like, I mean, even true, it does it now, but it's cool. Like I've watched all my kids at a young age and they've all been the same exact way. They've always been like, why are we going to church today? Are we going to our church today? Like if we go to another church, it's like, okay, that was cool and all, but when we go back to our <laughs> church, like last year was our first time ever taking an extended sabbatical. And so we were gone for eight weeks. And I mean, the kids, they were ready to go back after week two. You know, it's like, so for Jess and I, that always made our hearts feel like, okay, we're not just forcing them to do something. Uh, we want them to feel a part, you know, and that's, that's kind of been our goal. It's, it's hard at times, you know, but that's always been our goal anyways. And so it, it kind of makes my heart feel good to know that you guys say that and, and believe that, that you are a part of it because you are, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole family and ministry dynamic is funny anyways because I think – I think we put so – it's funny because shout-out to my boy, Sweb. He has an awesome podcast, by the way, Thinkless. He'll be a future guest on the podcast uh, in the coming weeks. But um, he talked about uh, cliches that need to die or sayings that need to die, you know. And I hate the saying, um, how do you balance family and ministry? Mm. You know, because I think we have this idea – that somehow ministry is something that we do and then family is something we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we compartmentalize our lives yeah. instead of saying, because here's what I believe with all my heart. I don't care if you're a realtor out there, if you work at a factory, if, you know, you're in construction, everyone's in full-time ministry. Yes. There's paid ministry. Mm-hmm. There's being paid by the, by the church to do ministry. And then there's just full-time ministry. And so because we live such compartmentalized lives, um, the weight is I'm doing all this stuff for Jesus and the church, but then I need to find time to do stuff with my family. The the approach we've always taken is like whatever we do for the church, our kids are involved. They get to be a part of it. You know, we get like they don't even – there's stuff that they don't even remember, but as they grow up and they're going to be able to look back and go like – like so like this summer I get to go preach for my friend Carl Nichols down in Atlanta – well, I'm doing ministry, I'm traveling, I'm, I'm, I'm going away to preach somewhere, but they're going to get to spend the weekend at a friend's house, uh, get to enjoy some hospitality and honor and get to be a part and get to be a part of a family weekend. We're going to go catch a Braves game. But those are ways that we've said, how do we include them in what we're doing? 
and they get to also be a part of the ministry side of it, but also just live life, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, you know, there's this mythical thing that, you know, I have to spend an equal amount of time doing this as I do this, and that's how I balance life. Nothing's ever going to feel balanced, especially as you jump into new seasons of life. Like, there's part of, like, you guys, and I yeah. know you're, you're out of it now, yeah. but you're in it heavy, mm-hmm. where it's like, man, you know, things will be easier when they get out of diapers, right? No, they'll just be different. And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now they're just pooping all over the walls. Yeah. You know? Things will be different <laughs> when they now. stop uh, drawing on the walls. Like, yeah, yeah. And no, then just be in college. But then they turn teenagers, you know, and I think that was the encouragement I was giving Tyler this week at being a student pastor, not having teenagers. is like, bro, don't project what you think parents should do or shouldn't do because until you have a teenager of your own, you really start gut checking. I've always told people, you don't really know your theology until you're trying to teach it to your kids. Because now you're for, you're realizing, man, eternity's in the balance for them too. And you don't, hopefully you, your spouse and your kids are the most important people in your life. And so if my own theology only goes to the chairs and the auditorium, but not to the kids in my house, then I don't really have a theology. I have a job. Mm-hmm. And that job takes precedent to ministry. And so the ministry is like what we're doing here, having conversations, yeah. you know, really just pressing each other, you know, in the form of community, in the form of these questions and conversations and love and serving and all those things. Ministry is not just a Sunday morning occupation, mm-hmm. right? I love, I like when I first came on staff, I think that's one of the first things that I picked up from you um, because I had basically only ever seen ministry modeled in the way that you were just saying, like there's this and me, and then there's my family. Mm-hmm. And like, don't touch this. You know, like yep. I have to protect this. I have yeah. to keep this away from this so that it doesn't ruin them. And it's like you said early on, I remember when we first got uh, on, came on staff here, was, uh, you know, you shouldn't seek to balance family and ministry. You should seek to integrate mm-hmm. family and ministry. Yeah. And it's like um, doing those things together, exactly. Like I love that. I think it was just a couple months ago. Uh, my fourth grader was the G Kids Volunteer of the Month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, that makes me so proud because yeah. it's the same stuff I see you, you two talking about. That it's not. I'm not just here because you know they're not just here because I'm here. Like they really are finding their own purpose and finding their own love for this place and the mission of God through the church and God's people to church. Like it's it's an awesome thing. To get to see that. Well, it's, it's, so when we say family time, it's funny. This is how we know, like, that everything, we put everything in the department of doing. Mm-hmm. You know, ministry is what you do. Yeah. Your job is what you do. Mm-hmm. Family time is what you do. Yeah. Family time, like, we've tried to take the, the motto of, like, family time is being. Yeah. You're a human being, not a human doing. So if we're you know? here at church half a day, guess what? We're, we're having like that's some yeah. of our family time. We're yeah. worshiping, serving, giving, doing all those things together. It's good. At eleven forty-five every Sunday, I know my both my girls are going to be in there. We're worshiping together. Mm. You know, I'm I'm standing in the chair in front of them, worshiping with my girls, breaking the word open with my girls. I know at the eight fifteen, my wife is going to be on that front row. I'm breaking word with my wife. I'm worshiping with my wife. Um. 
And so anytime you talk about family time, what does it always revolve around? Well, what, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And that's something I always try to even temper the expectations of my kids. Like, we don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. We're together. We're sharing a meal. We're sharing a story. We're watching a movie. We're playing a game. Doing whatever. And so I always tell people, build boundaries, not departments. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to build departments. Like, you know, don't touch this but i need to build boundaries and build boundaries and, and so some of those boundaries may include i think the knock that happens in ministry is sometimes the kids only hear about the ugly side mm. the thing that we've always tried to do is share the wins mm-hmm. above the ugly stuff when you can hear that like yeah. when you when you hear lana saying <clears throat> like i look back and i see this story and that story and this miracle and that thing like you can see that well, unfortunately for most people, the success in ministry uh, is only shared by you personally. You share it on social media. Mm-hmm. You talk about it amongst your pastor friends like you're really awesome, and your kids don't even hear it. Mm-hmm. But Which still goes back to that whole doing thing. You it know, does. It's like i got to find my validation in ministry by what all my buddies think online or whatever. Well, and the thing, like, and the thing that I've noticed that e- even as we, in 10 years, I mean, my girls have made friends with people, had people come in and out of their lives of people who have left the church, but they've never once talked a negative word. And I think it's because Jess and I have always made sure that we don't talk about those things in a negative light in front of our kids. Because yeah. that can be really easy to do. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, you're just talking in the kitchen before you know it. Your kids yeah, no, are listening I, yeah, to every yeah. word you're saying about that person in the church or about that person in your ministry, that person volunteering. And they start having a different slant or negative light toward mm-hmm. that person. And even if you can separate, you know, the emotion of that yes. moment or whatever, like mm-hmm. kids can't. And so now they're taking mm-hmm. that and processing it the best they can. And you can't fault them for that, you know, mm-hmm. they're kids. And then the next time they see that person, now all of a sudden they're already at a young age, like growing this root of bitterness, right? Yeah. It's just. Well, and I just, I believe that if you choose to get married and have kids, because, I mean, this is the whole, this is a whole other podcast, but it's like even Paul said, hey, I would rather you guys be like me mm-hmm. and remain single mm-hmm. because then you can just focus on giving your entire life to serving the Lord. Yeah. So, but choose to get married, that's cool. But just know now your concerns and affairs are all getting tangled up yeah. because yeah. now, you know, and basically what he's saying is, is like this is a huge priority, but it also needs to be submitted to the service to the Lord, right? So the problem is, is we have we even have these heroes that we worship over the years that when you look at their family life, they were terrible. Mm. So take A.W. Tozer. So many people quote A.W. Tozer all the time. I mean, one of the, the dead legends that everybody reads his books, he had the, the famous book, The Pursuit of God. And so many people said, man, that book transformed my life. But A.W. Tozer basically neglected his family ended up getting divorced, and his wife made this comment and said, if A.W. Tozer is God's man, he finally gave me my man when she was remarried. Mm. And it's like, wow. Mm. And then you hear stories, like even Billy Graham, who I respect highly, and I think later on in his years he corrected this, but there are stories of Billy Graham coming home from being gone on, on such long road trips to doing evangelism and there was a story he writes in his memoirs where he's driving up to his house and he tells his traveling friend, he's like, is that the neighbor's kid playing in our yard? It was his own daughter. Oh, wow. He'd been gone so long, like, he didn't even recognize his own daughter in the yard. Um, 
you know, you have all these kind of stories and there's quotes of people saying that like the old school mindset was if you take care of God's church, God will take care of your family. And I, I believe the opposite is true. I believe if you take care of your family, God will take care of his church. That's good. And I think that's, you know, being, being a family in ministry, that should be every believer in Christ. Mm-hmm. You're a family in ministry. What we do is ministry. If we're playing soccer, you know, I'm always trying to teach my kids, like, that's it's ministry. How you treat your teammates, how you treat your coach and honor your coach and respect your coach, show up on time, do the things he's asking you to do. All of those are a part of, like, being a believer in Christ because we are supposed to be set apart mm-hmm. from the rest of the yeah. world. And I think when you do that, like, you start gaining trust of your friends because what's crazy is, like, I remember thinking back, like, some of those guys who would call me a PK or whatever, do whatever, treat me different. It wasn't bad or anything, but like they're the same people who came when they were like having a situation going on. Oh, oh, Tyler, he can pray for me. He goes to church. His dad's a preacher. I'm going to go talk to him. And it's like, those are the moments for me that I look back. It's like, you know what? This is really cool. It can be hard, but it's like I was there and I got to walk through couple of things with my friends throughout high school just because you know hey I, my dad was a pastor I guess that means you can pray with people I don't know but it, it was it's really neat and yeah. cool because they start trusting you yeah for sure I think you know the thing you know talking what we we're talking about earlier about showing our kids and our family the positive things like um you know I'm huge on gratitude and sometimes our kids don't even see the benefits of when you serve God and serve others so well, you know, like I was thinking the other day at, at my men's, at the men's group that we have, um, I had a guy in the group that him and his teenage son gifted my son a bow, like for, for archery. And I'm like, who does that? I, just recently I had a guy in the church who gifted me an AR-15. Like he built it just for me. I've seen, I, I've been gifted two guns, um, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> Guns, I knew it. The gun show. Yeah, the gun. Welcome to the gun show. <laughs> um, I have parents in Christ, uh, Pastor Allen and, and Benita Fike, who like our kids maybe even don't even realize like, man, we we are gifted a second home to go and swim in a, in a pool mm-hmm. anytime we want and hang out and are invited and welcome there. We we've been given a key, right? Um, we have people who will host us when we go and we, we've had families in Arkansas and Atlanta, give us a place to stay for a week for a free vacation to come and hang out. I've been gifted trips to Montana. I've been gifted sabbaticals. Like these are all the things that God rewards a family who's faithful in serving generosity, gratitude. Like those are the things that I want my kids to see in ministry that, man, there's a lot of great positives and it should drown out the negatives. It should drown out the times there are like, uh, I'm a very like on Saturday nights, like, man, I I try to get in the bed early because I've got to be focused. I got to get rest, be ready to preach three times on a Sunday. Used to, it was five times on a weekend. Mm -hmm. There were times we sacrificed Saturday nights. There were all these different times, but I hope that what we need to teach our kids is that God's blessings far outweigh anything we could ever quote unquote sacrifice Mm -hmm. because what we do is not a sacrifice. It's not, I just don't see it that way. 
Um, cause, because of what Christ did on the cross, there's nothing we could ever do to repay that anyways, right? right? And I think that's what we fail to really show our kids sometimes is like, man, what we get to do is a privilege. It's an honor. Have you guys ever felt felt that? Have you felt like it's a privilege? Has it ever felt like an obligation or a weight to you guys? I definitely don't feel like it's been a weight or like a um, – I definitely see it as a privilege definitely because like – I get to be here pretty much every day. Like, mm-hmm. I get to see all of my church family. Like My kids would rather play at the office. than Honestly, we probably would. Like, <laughs> I remember times, like, after school, like, all of us being like, are we going to the office today? Are we going to church? Like, <laughs> it's just cool. They didn't say that at the annex, though. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Can you get me but out like, of here? When we were at the annex, we were like, are we about to leave? Like, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Are we going to the annex? Are we yeah. going to the annex? Yes. Like, the fear factor. Could you drop me off? Yes. But I definitely feel it's like it's a pri- like a privilege yeah. because then you get so many more opportunities to, like, be in a community that loves you and that you can love on. Mm-hmm. Um and you definitely, it's more of that, like, you see more of God's work as a yeah. behind-the-scenes character, you yeah. know? Like, uh, he's the main character in the movie, but I'm yeah. just, like, yeah. I'm I'm his, uh, I'm the behind-the-scenes character that just, like, I bring heaven down the earth. I try yeah. that. I try to be the, um, the light, his light on the <clears throat> earth. So um, it's definitely a privilege. I don't think it's ever felt like a weight. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever felt, like, put the name weight on uh, being a PK or being here um, ever. Mm-hmm. So, I love being here. It just fills with me, like, with joy just to be here. Like, it's so fun to be here because we get to hang out with our church family. And I get to see Dad lead me in a way. And all my friends just start leading after me. And Lana lead me. And Tyler and Preston, everyone, I just get to see him lead. And it is a privilege. I like it. It's really mm-hmm. fun to be. Well, it's cool. I didn't share this with you guys because it was late last night. Um, we were still meeting, but I got a text from somebody in the church, and they were like, man, your daughters were awesome tonight. Because last night was the move-up night for fifth graders to the, to the student ministry. And just said, man, they were so good at, like, integrating those new students, leading the way in worship, taking notes. And so, you know, I think sometimes you girls don't even realize, like, you know, if you're feeling the weight to be perfect, I don't want you to feel that weight, but I also want you to know, man, your influence is being felt. Yeah. I think about my kids, you know, (laughs) my oldest is 10, you're almost 16, and now your oldest is four. Mm -hmm. And so it's neat, like, I know that even my oldest daughter has big sisters, like who are walking what it's like to be in ministry as a ministry family. And like you two don't know, I don't think always like what that means, not even just to her, but like to me and Kelly, you know, to know that we have you guys even as an example. And again, not to put pressure, but like it's fun for me to watch because I get to see moments where like I see Lana or Maya in Molly and, like, now to watch, like, on a weekend or something mm-hmm. when Abigail's around and, like, she loves Molly. Oh, Abongale. Abongale, yeah. That's <laughs> how I called her. And, and so it's fun to see, like, even just as a team, like yeah. how we are yeah, a, a team and a, a yeah. staff family and all this stuff, like, because now, like, you guys have set a precedent, like, in, in part of birthing a church, like, even that, like, you guys were a part of that, mm-hmm. like, to, to pass that through our, our team. It's just really cool. Like, a, it's a neat thing to watch. Well, and to piggyback off that, like, the thing that I've always strived for in our leadership is our kids are not entitled to anything. 
you know, I've always taught other leaders like, hey, lead them like you would lead anybody yes. else. And I, and I feel like that has helped shape them. I don't feel like that they walk around with their chest puffed out yeah, yeah. like we're the pastor's kids. We deserve, you know, like, yeah. and that's because we have encouraged. And I think this is a huge topic when it comes to family, ministry, you need other adults and people in their lives discipling them, speaking yep. into them. Um, I mean, your wife has been huge for Lana because I, I mean, Lana can tell you, I've even told her like, Hey, if you feel uncomfortable talking to us about anything, mm. if you can't come to us first, you go to Lindsay Gilman. Mm. I was like, you need wow. to have somebody besides us that you can confess into. Mm. You can bounce things off of, have the hard conversations um, because I think we get so surprised when we kind of shelter them and, and only put them in a very small percentage of community and encouragement and discipleship. And then when they go off to college, they are so all about themselves, individual performance, individual success. And then they can't find community. They can't. So what do they do? They run to sororities, fraternities, or other outlets because they don't know how to build community. And so hopefully what we're teaching them is not only how to submit to leadership, but build healthy community in their lives to surround themselves with other people that can help disciple them, coach them, all those things. Because I think what I've learned, even reading the epistles, right, in the, in the New Testament, I think church planting, and I can definitely say this, it is it's traumatic. It's a trauma. Like, if you think about Paul writing to the Corinthian church, right now, he's addressing messiness. He's addressing traumatic events. I mean, go read 1 Corinthians. It's like, that's pretty traumatic, like some of the things he's addressing in the church. And so, for me, it's almost like the, the perspective I have to always keep in check is like, man, I want to make sure that what we're doing doesn't leave a mark of trauma on our kids and on our family, but that we walk through the messy stuff with the perspective of God's redemption, grace, and what he wants to do in the future. Yeah. Because I do, I, I see so many people who grew up in ministry, grew up in church, that they are, they're traumatized. Mo in fact, I would say probably 75 to 80% of the people that we have reached in this church in 10 years are people who have been traumatized by church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or a, or, or a traumatic experience from church people or Somehow connected yeah. Somehow. to that. Yeah. And so I think they think they believe that they're unique in that or they believe that there is, you know, that's how they view church or the world, right? Yeah. And not realizing that that is the truth across the board is that you live around people long enough, you're going to be traumatized by them. You're going to be affected by them. You're going to be offended by them. Mm -hmm. But our wholeness in Christ depends on us walking through those emotions in a healthy way and dealing with them through the lens of the cross, not our offense, mm. right? So I think that's the stuff that I hope to leave with my kids is that our church will never be perfect, and our church isn't the only church in our community. Our kids know that. Um, but I hope our goal as parents has always been that they grow up loving Jesus with all their hearts, loving people, loving the local church mm -hmm. because those are all things that, that God cares about and loves. Yeah. You know, I think on that whole perspective <clears throat> thing and then also being in youth ministry, like it just kind of clicked not too long ago. Like I think about times where 
hey, we take Lon and Maya home, you know, and it's like me and Lindsay joke. So it's like, you know, one day they're going to they're gonna take Abigail home one yeah. day and they're going to yeah. be, uh, you know, I hope, you know, I hope everybody's still around and everything, but it's deeper than that, you know. I'm hoping, and it, it clicked. It's like even when, say, you look out and you see the sixth graders and you see all these teenagers, it's like a lot of times we want instant results, mm-hmm. you know. I, I <clears throat> I'm a three on the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> Preskin can, can tell you a lot about like, yeah. all right, hey, tonight we're going to start. We're going to do the thing tomorrow or whatever. Um, I love having goals. I love achieving things, uh, which isn't bad, but also at the same time, like stuff takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Man. stuff that we're pouring into. It's like we're not – I'm not going to see instant yeah. fruit immediately, but, hey, five years from now yes. – mm-hmm. Or when they're off in college and they come back and they start telling stories, there's like, you know, whatever. I remember sitting in the drive when we were having this conversation or whatever it is, and it's like, wow, okay, you were listening, you know? Yeah. Um, and I that whole leave leaving a legacy, what you know, we want instant instant yeah change, but it's like, man, it, it'll down the road is when all that'll ministry come out. of any flavor, uh, but especially student ministry. <laughs> is a marathon not a sprint yeah mm-hmm. like it is yep. it, it it takes long commitment it takes you know if you ever run a marathon or run a half i know i don't look like i've ever run a half. i mean tyler i, I guess tyler run. i guess is the exception to this he ran a half marathon and like ran once couch to half marathon in like six days survived <laughs> yeah yeah i'm here you know yeah, here he is here he says he's a three so he had to I accomplish had to it. it right i signed up so i had um, to do it well, probably had sushi train right after. <laughs> yeah that was the night before i had a car yeah, there you go carb up <laughs> um but you know if, if you've ever trained for anything like that and you're you're training for the murph right now right like it it doesn't begin with the result Mm -hmm. right like you have to okay race day is this day that means i need to plan back 12 to 14 to 16 weeks and and lay out how i'm going to get from start to finish Mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of times in in ministry like you mentioned student like i just want this now like man a lot of times we just want to start at the result and we don't necessarily always think about like, okay, I need to plan backward. I need to start there and go back 12, 14, 16 weeks, whatever. And then, and then figure that out. Like what's that path look like, Mm -hmm. um, of how I'm going to take a student, you know, from, from where they are to where God wants them to be. No, that's so good. You know, and I think that's a conversation we had the other day, like student ministry is a hundred percent all about planting seeds. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that, youth ministry is one of the most amazing yet heartbreaking things you could ever frustrating uh gut-wrenching <laughs> like how many other words can you but at the same time like you're saying like it's it's beautiful like because mm, yeah. you're walking these young believers who some maybe they have zero church experience they have zero parents in the home that like even care anything at all about god the bible jesus any of that um and you're and you're trying to walk them down this path and that's just the christians yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I mean yeah. seriously. hundred percent. They have an idea of what they think that means, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, even this year, like, uh, I'm getting to uh, do another wedding of a student that I had, you know, wow. four or five years ago. Um, I'm getting, uh, I had a kid text me. I call him a kid. He's still a kid to me. He's 22, whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, I had a guy text me that he just graduated college, and he wanted to know if Kelly and I happened to be in town uh, because he was kind of going to be back around home or whatever, and he he just wanted to see us. Yeah, 
Um, like a year after we moved over here, one of the students that had graduated, like it's just cool to make those long connections. Yeah. And even if, if you, you know, go distance like your separate ways or whatever, because that's the thing with student ministry, right? Like, or parenting, it's the same deal. Like you're, you're raising them to send them off. Mm -hmm. Like, even if that's for a short period of time, maybe it's a long period of time, maybe it's the rest of their life. You're never going to live in the same zip code, but like all the work you're doing is to build a connection so that as they go off, they know they're not by themselves. And even if they face, you know, troubles and maybe they make some bad decisions or whatever, like you are still there. Like you're a constant. They can always find you. Well, I mean, I think now we've got that I know of four to five couples in our church that I was their youth pastor. Mm. And I've gotten to do the weddings. I've gotten to baptize their Their kids. kids, Yeah, I mean, you know, for all the stories, for every story – that you're like, man, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? There's those stories mm-hmm. that we have to yeah, hang man. on to. You know, and I talk about this a lot, yeah. like, because when we moved here, it was there was a lot of things that needed to go right, right, <clears throat> and um, and God lined all those things up, and then as we were going through it, He allowed us to kind of see Him putting everything right. I think it's because he knew we needed that. <laughs> like we needed yeah. that faith uh, that we could see, not just the faith that we didn't yet see. Um, but that is what faith is, right? Is like belief in what you can't yet see. Mm-hmm. And and how many of those things do, does God let us see right now? And it's amazing. And we get to celebrate the stories. And we get to see all like firsthand. We get to watch what God is doing in front of us. But if that's true, well, then how many of those stories are we never going to actually yeah. see with our own eyes? Right. Like how many lives are we actually touching, affecting, pointing to Jesus that like we're never going to know until we're on the other side of this life. Yeah, for and sure. then we're walking around in heaven and it's like, hey man, you remember that thing? It's like, no, I didn't even, yeah. I, th- I thought you were like in the corner picking your nose. Like I had no <laughs> idea you were paying attention at all, but yeah, yeah. like here we are. So yeah. uh, I just I always try to find like, especially in student ministry, whatever, like I try to find rest in that. Like there's stuff that God's doing and, and that's anywhere in ministry, that's anywhere in life. Like there's stuff that God is doing that you you don't see. Yeah. And you're not going to see probably this this side of heaven. Let's dive into student ministry and and kind of the state of student ministry. You know, so much has changed since the 90s especially. But, you know, I was talking to Tyler the other day, like student ministry as we know it didn't even exist before the 70s. Yeah. You know, like it's that's when kind of this movement uh, started. And so it's changed so much over the years. And, you know, I have two daughters that are in our student ministry right now. And I know – Lana's even experiencing like right now she's at that cusp or that age where many once they get their driver's license like it's like they start disconnecting from the idea of student ministry and so I'd love to hear from you two on like what is your perspective experience of student ministry and why do you two think that maybe uh, some students not only leave student, but I mean, and I'm not saying that every person, every student that leaves the student ministry is leaving their faith, leaving the church. But the reality is once they graduate, many of them are walking away from the local church. And so I'd love to kind of get y'all's insight on what y'all are experiencing. <laughs> okay. So, um, I would probably think, so it's kind of like you were saying, like when they get their driver's license and everything, but also I think it's like, once you have that privilege to not necessarily get away but like freedom, freedom. Yeah. When you get that like bite of freedom, freedom, it's like, Oh, well, I don't have to do whatever my parents are doing or like I can get away from this or, or I can go do what I want. And then they start clinging to those things 
instead of um, clinging to what their parents had set up through their life for them. Mm. Like, understanding that what their parents had, like, uh, shown them and what their parents had led them through, like, is what made them who they are today. Mm. And so they kind of, they're but they're like, oh, but I don't want to be uh, what my parents want me to be. I don't want to be, like, um, exactly what they tell me to be. Like, say my, <laughs> they're Let's say, like, oh, my parents wanted me, me to be a doctor. Well, then I'm going to go do whatever I want, you know? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like the expectation thing. They're like, oh, I'm going to do exactly the opposite of what my parents want me to do mm. because, like, I want to be my own person. I'm my own person now. Mm. I have my driver's license. I'm going to college. I'm out of college, you know? I got, I'm getting my own apartment, stuff like that. Like, it's like you get that bite of freedom, and it's like, oh, how much farther can I go? Mm. Um and it's like, oh, I want to create a life for myself instead of what my parents have created for me. Um, instead of realizing, oh, what my parents had created for me is setting me up for a life that I can create for myself. That's so good. That's and good. so... Um, Go ahead. Go ahead and <laughs> preach, Lana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I just kind of think of that aspect. Like, I always try to be um, gracious when I find people in my life like that want to... Um, or aren't necessarily, like, wanting to stay where they are, which is not terrible. Like, sure. staying in the same place is not a terrible thing. Like, yeah. um, it, but you don't want to be in the same mentality as you were as an elementary schooler or a middle schooler or maybe even a freshman in high school or a high schooler. Like, you always want to be growing in the aspect of, like, what yeah. does God want me to learn? What does, or what do I need to learn, you know? Um, and I, I'm definitely learning that right now, like, um, do I want to have the same mindset or do I want to still have the same knowledge that I had when I was a middle schooler? Yeah. Like right now, like, which is funny. Like I'm not even learning. Like, it's not like I, obviously people have planted seeds in my life, like that are older than me, but like I'm learning from Maya, like mm. seeing Maya, like me too. <laughs> real. She no, teaches me a lot. She teaches. Yeah. No. So like we, we joke that Maya is our Holy Spirit at the house. Yeah. So, like it, yeah. it freaks it's me tall. out sometimes. Cause I'm like one, she's almost taller than me. And like two, she's smarter <laughs> than me. And so like, I see her like go through the new Testament and you're already in first. She's going through the Bible and she, no, she's in first Chronicles. Right? Chronicles. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I can't. So like, yeah. Even, like, seeing her last summer when we started Table Talks and doing our sabbatical, like, she started going through um, the Bible. And so, like, she's influenced me. Like, oh, I want to learn more that way. I want to read more books. Like, she's been reading, like, my Sadie Robertson books that I didn't even finish in middle school. Like, she's yeah. fulfilling what who I wanted to be as a middle schooler that I didn't see myself. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I can do that you know I didn't see that perspective of like oh my gosh I can do that like I'm learning from her not even from like older students like stuff yeah. like that and so I hope cool. I can be that person like to uh, to someone older than me like I hope I can be that person to um even people younger than me or like adults like I wish I can be that person that they're like oh my gosh that helped me so much like I want to be the person people can come to yeah. but it's not uh, yeah. with the whole thing with people wanting to go off it's like they don't realize, like I feel like some people don't realize um, the seeds that were planted in their life and mm -hmm. how those were important. They just want to get away from it all. Yeah. Because um, I could see a lot of my, like not necessarily my friends, but like people that I've had in my life that you said, even people that have left the church and stuff like that, like I could see a bit of that. Yeah. Um, be, taking a um, card in it or taking a play in it, that um, that could be a reason or um uh, an effect or a cause. Yeah. Um, well, I, I love what you said. I want to re I want to repeat it in a different format, but it's like this. Um, 
you need to keep the same soil, but sometimes you need fresh water. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is our human response, right? If things are tough or things are different, what I need is new scenery. But uproot myself. Mm -hmm. Most people do not stay rooted long enough to grow strong. Mm And I think that's what we want to try to communicate to these students is we're not trying to, because I think there has to be a shift. Like I think the shift that I hope happens in you in the next year is mm-hmm. student ministry is not even about me as much as it is about helping the next generation next, behind yeah. me. And like, I think that's where we run into an entitled generation where it's about, it's not fun for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not doing the things that I want them to do. It's almost like a manipulation phase instead of going, what am I investing in this? What am I giving back to this? That doesn't sound anything like their parents or anything either. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> Not, and, you know, and so, I mean, it's that, it's that whole I, mindset of like church is a place where I come and consume something yes. and I, and I enjoy the services that they provide for me. And then I get in my car and we argue on the way home about where we're going to eat. You yeah. know, like it's well, and unfortunately, um, parents, I'm speaking from a parent, like I do not expect Tyler to disciple my kids. Yes. I expect Tyler to be a part of their discipleship process, mm-hmm. but I'm not going, man, I don't have to have any conversations or anything like that. I can send them to youth group every Wednesday night and they're going to come out Jesus loving, yep. passionate worshipers. I don't even, I don't even count that toward their formation yeah. as a whole. Well, and you think about like um, a, a several years ago now, there was sort of a, a movement like one in 168, right? So like the idea behind that was as a youth ministry or a kids ministry, some kind of next-gen ministry, you at best may get an hour of the 168 hours mm-hmm. in a week mm-hmm. to affect a kid's life, right? And so the the thought behind that is like, what good, I mean, you can do some good in that hour, but it's not the most good, right? Like the most good is how can we, how can we instill these values in parents and in yeah. homes that that they're spending the bulk of their time? Or, you know, I've always loved the idea of like student ministry partnering alongside yeah. uh, teachers because yes. who are the three? You know, who's the main influences in yes. these kids' lives? Uh, which also now goes to like, well, where does this thing go from here? Well if teachers and family are like massive amounts of hours that kids are spending with, and those are the influences. Well, at this point, even if they're physically with parents and teachers in those hours, most of them are distracted by what the internet. Right. And so now it's like, if they're spending a hundred hours a week online, well, how much more should our ministry to teenagers and students kind of focus to like shine a light in that dark place. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's obvious like uh, warning signs around, you know, the internet, social media, all this kind of stuff. But like, we can't just write that off and be like, well, they should just come do our thing. Right. (laughs) Like we have to go to where they're at. So here's the results. Right. So we have, um, you have an hour on a Wednesday night. Right. And then they're spending most of the days at school. Mm -hmm. And then they're spending, if they play sports or extracurriculum, they're spending who knows amount of hours doing those things. So think about that in the spiritual formation aspect, where what are the key uh, keys to victory? Behavior modification, because i got to behave at school. Um, achievement, because I've got to get all the answers to the test right. Did I say that right? Yeah, answers to the test right. Um, then it's uh, performance, because 
sports tells you, like, hey, if you're going to go somewhere, if you're going to have a chance to go to college, you're going to have a chance to get a scholarship, perform, 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 perform. If you're the best on the team, you get to make all-stars. You know, perform, perform. Uh, devote a lot of time to that. Now we are forming in them the majority of their time is spent with those being their values. Yeah. And so then we're shocked when they're 18 and all they care about is going to spend time with their friends, going to college, and, and then church isn't even a priority and faith isn't a priority because they now believe my number one goal is personal success and achievement. It is to, uh, it, it is to somehow gain um, worth and value based off of what I can do and how much success I have. And then we're like, and then what do we do? We blame the youth group. Well, something's wrong with student ministry nowadays. Yeah. Something's wrong with, and I try to tell people like, man, it's the, the home is where they, are, the spiritual formation yeah. is going to happen. Yeah. You, as a, as a parent, you are the primary disciple maker of your kid. Yes. Like you, you just are like, and, and that doesn't matter what kind of disciples you're making. You are the primary disciple maker. You yes. may you may be making really bad disciples of Jesus. Yeah. Mm. But that's still because you are the primary disciple maker, you know, like or or you may be making them great disciples of some of the things you're talking about, whether it's their teams or their academics or whatever. Like as a parent, as you go, as you lead them, they will go. Yeah. And and even unintentionally doing any of that stuff is leading them somewhere. Yeah. Right. So, and, and even, even introducing them to, so, so John Tyson talks about peer attachment. So part of the deal too, and this is something that I, man, it's, it's a passion of mine and I hope that my girls would agree, but is trying to engage with them on an emotional, intelligent level. Um, not shy away from the hard, awkward oh, conversation. Man. Like Maya, how many awkward conversations have we had in sixth grade this year? <laughs> a lot, yeah, and I can even see it on Maya's face. Like, there's almost this level of I don't know if I should be talking about this with you. And I wonder how many kids go. There ain't you. There ain't no chance in whatever that I'm talking about this to my mom and dad. And what we've tried to, I think, I love what you said earlier about like I come to them thinking they're going to be mad, and they're not. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is at this age. We send them to school, travel ball, and we allow everybody else to try to attach emotionally and because dads especially get really, really awkward at this, especially with young women yeah. where it's like, okay, I, I got to quit hugging on them so much. I got to quit kissing on them so much. I got to quit, you know, and, you know, it's not about the emotional thing. It's like, let's get out in the yard and do this, you know. The problem with that is, is like, uh, I love what they said about peer attachment because, we actually call it a phase in teenage life where they come home, all they want to do is look at their phone. They don't want to engage with you emotionally. They talk back and are, you know, and they ignore you. They want to go to their room, not have conversations. And what do we do? We say, ah, they're just being teenagers. Yeah. But we don't say that about any other relationship in our yeah. lives. Like, think if Lindsay came home, Tyler, and she didn't say a word to you. She just stayed on her phone the whole time. Or she went in the bedroom, slammed the door, and you walked in there like, hey, get out. What are you doing? Right? And then huffing and puffing, not you would go, something is really messed yeah. up here in our relationship. 
So why do we look at it as mm-hmm. normal with our kids? So good. Because we're scared of it. Yeah. We're terrified. You know, we, we, we're, and, and, and I think when you enter into that and you tell your kids like, hey, I don't, I know that I don't fully understand everything you're going through. Yeah. Like, and, and that's anybody like that, that level of honesty to admit, you know, I didn't grow up in a school that you're in. Like it was different for me. Yeah. And so I really do want to understand what was your day like? Yeah. Like what, what happened? You know, what did somebody say to you? How, how did your friends act today? Like, you know, and, and if you'll just admit, I don't know, man, the, the doors you open when you just admit that yeah. to, a, to a kid is, is just huge. And so, you know, when they have, when they have that period, like we are designed in such a way when we emotionally attach to somebody, anybody outside that bubble then becomes the enemy. And you spend your entire time trying to separate from those people. And so the thing that we've always told our kids is like, man, our number one goal, like when you leave our house, is not only to be somebody who serves serves the Lord, serves others, but that you'd want to come back and spend time with us. Yeah, I think this is one of the many ways that God has designed life to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Like what is this act of a parent saying like, I may be here positionally, you know, higher than you as a parent, but I'm going to lower myself to come down to wherever you're at, to, to jump right in feet first to wherever you're at, to understand you and then to help show you the way forward. Mm-hmm. Like, is that not exactly the gospel yeah. that, that God, though he was mm-hmm. here, uh, Jesus lowered himself Philippians, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and not seeking equality with God, something to be grasped, but instead he lowered himself and became in the form of a servant as a human to walk our life out with us. And so when we do that as parents, we are literally in everything that we're doing, we are preaching the gospel. Yeah. So Maya, what would you say, what would you hope that your expectation of coming to student ministry, what do you what do you want out of student ministry when you come to youth? I want to see life change in like the community, and I want to see like people leaning on to me, and like even though I mess up, like telling me, "Oh, it's okay, you just forget about it, and just you you're not perfect, it's fine." And I want to see people like leaning on each other, like not just me, but like me leaning on other people and encouraging other people. Because I, I don't know what they're going through, but I can say, oh, they're going through something. I know mm-hmm. it's hard because I've been there. I know that they're going through something, so I need to lean on them and not just be like, oh, they've made a mistake, so I don't want to talk to them or whatever. I want to lean into them and know, like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? And, like, in youth ministry, I don't want to just push people away because, oh, you have bad parents or your life at home, you know? I want to lean into them and know what's going on and, like, ask them if they're okay. So this is a sixth grader, 12-year-old, and what I'm hearing is I want a community of grace and truth. Yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I thought that. as you yep. were. So talking. now I want to hear from a sophomore, a soon-to-be 16-year-old, what's your idea? Like, what what do you want to receive from student ministry? Does that make sense? Like, what, what do you think when you come to student ministry, like, what's an expectation that you hope to get from it? Um, the expectation is probably, like, I would say, uh, I always feel like I always want to get something out of it. Like, I I hate as a sophomore feeling like, oh, I'm going through my day just not learning anything, which is, it's also the end of the year. Like, it's almost, or it's summertime, you know? Like, you're at school, and 
the teachers are like, oh, we're all ready to get out. You're not learning anything. And I know if I come to youth or if I come to church, I'm always going to get something out of it. And that's the expectation that, like, I guess I set for when I come. It's like, okay, this is a time to have fun. This is a time to lean on other people, like Maya was saying, like have a community of grace and truth. It's also, like, how am I building myself to become a better woman of God or a better uh, man of God for the boys in, at our youth group? Like, how am I going to better myself through this time? Not just goof off, not just, but the expectation like I set for like youth ministry and stuff like that. And I set for myself is like, how can I grow? How can we grow? Not just in, not just in population or numbers increasing, but how can we grow in like more learning more, like leaning into God's word and how can we grow into like talking about that? Yeah. Like one of my favorite things is small groups. I love having small groups because I can um, I can display like what I think about the message or like what I got from the message, but also I hear like what other girls get from the message, yeah. and that's really influencing. It's like that um, planting a seed part uh, of ministry, like getting to see those seeds. Like my like my small group leaders, like I've had Lindsay be my small group leader, and I think that's why like I'm so like close to her is because like I've heard her story and I've heard. Um, she's leaned in on my story and she understands like she's made time for me and so like hearing that from her and not just other students like is amazing like getting something out of it every single time is like what I look for you know and even in worship like um I like worshiping is like one of my favorite things to do um, especially at youth and especially at church just like that's my favorite thing that Mm -hmm. day like it makes my day better because I know I can be in like even with a in a crowd full of people like, I can still be in solitude with myself and with God. Yeah. Like, I remember uh, your message last, e- last week, one of the challenges was to be in solitude. And it wasn't just, like, solitude. It wasn't just, like, oh, yeah, go in a room by yourself and just sit there. No, no noise or anything. It was solitude is a time to be by yourself, but not alone. Mm-hmm. It's with God. You're yeah. going to be alone with God, you know. And so taking that time out of your day is like instru- like it's just instrumental in your life and worshiping to me is that time for me. Yeah. And uh worshiping doesn't always mean like that's got to be at church or at mm-hmm. youth. It can be at home too, yeah. which I love how I make I love making time for myself when I do that. Um and so um, I guess when my expectation for like youth ministry and student ministry is that um, I always look for opportunities to reach out to others and get something out of it and not just like, oh, that was a great message. Okay, I'm going to go home and not apply it to my life. Like yeah. applying it to your life is very important. And um, it's, it, it, yeah, that's pretty much my So it's cool. We've been talking about like what are the three living systems as a staff, leadership, even as a church that lead towards spiritual formation. And they just mentioned all three without like speaking it in name. But, you know, you have reflective lifestyle, you know, which is the spiritual disciplines and personal obedience, which is like getting something from the word of God and figuring out, okay, where does my life fall short of that? And community grace and truth. I think sometimes we think the students somehow need to be reached differently with the gospel. The gospel is the same power with children. I mean, it's weird. Like, why is student ministry such an awkward, weird stage for the church? Not just in life in general. We know it's an awkward stage. But it's like, the kids, gospel, gospel, gospel. Students, uh, gospel. Pizza. Yeah. Dodgeball. Gospel <laughs> like and. Pizza. And there's nothing wrong with those things. No, but, like, we but think, they're a, like. they're a doorway, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing. And then, adult. 
but I think that if I think we are honestly trying to sanitize the gospel in an unsanitary world, mm. and I, I think it, it's this should be the place. It's amazing because the kids are exposed to so much of the world at a younger age. I mean, it's happening rapidly. Yes. And we're still trying to treat them with white gloves as if, uh, how are we going to talk about this? There's sixth graders in here. Well, let me tell you something. Just from having a <laughs> sixth grader, <laughs> they are having the conversations already, you, like, and they're not gospel-centered. When yeah. when I got out of college and I got my first role in uh in full-time ministry, um, I, I had gone through all through college. I was 16 when I felt like I was calling me to ministry. And like the whole time I had never thought, yeah, youth ministry, you know, like youth ministry was a big deal for me, like very impactful in my own life and my own story. But I still just never really saw that as like my place to land and serve the church yeah. until I got out of school and I discovered, um, some research that, I, uh, it was a book called you lost me. David Kinnaman, and they're talking about how seven of 10 um, who were my age at that time, right, had uh, grown up in the church, gone to student ministry, all this stuff, had at the time they turned from somewhere between 18 and 29, they seven out of 10 walked away from the church. And as I read that, I like really reflected back and I got to think about, man, who were 10 of the people I went to church with? Yeah, And I'm like, oh yeah, I can name them. I can name the set. I can see their faces mm-hmm. that walked away, right? And, and that began to like really affect me and like why I wanted to really dive into student ministry because like my goal at that point became like I'm gonna f- I'm gonna do everything I can, everything God will allow me to do to flip that number at at worst, yeah. <laughs> flip that number upside yeah. down. Yeah, even as a and, student, like I feel like that. Like not e- like obviously I'm not like youth pastor, youth coordinator, but like being a student in youth ministry like that, I see that being a goal. Like I don't want my friends to walk away or I don't want people to walk away from a youth or a group of people that are very detrimental to their walk with God without knowing like, like I don't want them to walk away being like, Oh, I didn't feel welcome or no. Like that's one thing about like the fifth grade move up. Like I, that was one thing I loved was last night is I got to see those little girls and little boys like move up and it was like, well, I can help them, yeah. like, connect, you know? Like, it's like that 7 out of 10, like, I yeah, I want all 10 to be here, you know? Yeah, and I think when, when I kind of discovered that or whatever, like, you find out that the, the biggest reason that those who were surveyed in this study, whatever, said that they walked away from the church was because the church was not willing to enter into a conversation about their yes. difficult questions. Yeah. Yes. And, and so from then on, like every year I would even do a series where I'm like, Hey, you submit your questions and mm-hmm. we're going to spend a month answering your questions. Like yeah. the messages are, are not necessarily going to be sermons, but it's going to be like, here's your question. Here's the best I can do to help at least start a conversation. Like, you know, about, about finding an answer yeah. to those things. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to what you said, man, we, we, I think at times we're scared because of our own uh, lack of like perfect knowledge. Right. And and it's back to the parenting thing. Like when we will talk to a student and let them ask their questions and then say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know, but let's go find the answer together. Yeah. You know, that's just massive impact. I think, and we're running out of time. So we want to close today, but in closing, I want to say this. um, I think, when it comes to the future of next gen ministry, 
I cannot stress to everybody listening today how vital that it is not about youth programming. Yeah. That there's not a program in the church that can ever be done or that hasn't been done that will change the trajectory of students' faith. It is discipleship in the home. Mm-hmm. And we are seeing more shallow or non-existent faith with students because their fa- their parents have a shallow or non-existent faith. Mm-hmm. And they blame the church. They want to, you know, tell the church what they're doing wrong and what, but it starts at home. I think we need better discipleship to Jesus and teaching our kids how to have those environments of grace, community of grace and truth, a place to come and have the difficult conversations and a place to come and be them and be treated as a part of the church, not as a sideshow of waiting until you're an adult before we actually have any kind of real conversation. Conversations. So I always like to end the episodes with keys to victory. Uh, I think the first key to victory is, if, especially if you're a family who is in ministry, which is anybody who's a believer and head to the local church serving and giving, celebrate the success, give God the stress. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, like all the negative st- things that we experience in the church world, um, <laughs> give that to God. Process it through in a healthy biblical way, but share all the great godly success and wins that God is doing in and around you and through the church and through and, and what God is doing with your kids. Yeah. Um, I think we focus way too much on what's happening to us instead of what God's doing in us. Uh, the second key to victory I'd say would be focus on parent ministry. I cannot stress enough and student ministry is something we're trying to continue to work with Tyler. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing I told Tyler is I don't come every single Wednesday, but I preach once or twice a year and I come uh, throughout the year at special events to show my kids this is a this is a value of mine um, and so therefore it should be a value of yours I don't have to be there every single week but it is still a priority I want to know what's going on in the student ministry I want to support it I want to be there to resource it uh, and not just criticize it all the time and I, I hope that challenges every parent that's listening because we had a parent meeting a lot last night even it was like you if you stop caring or you come across as you don't care, yeah. like in, and you're having car rides or your student shows up after youth and you don't ask them, it's like they are going to start yeah. checking out. And, be, yeah. and it's why, because you have checked it's out. It's not a priority to them. And yeah. it's like when you, and that's one thing we were trying to encourage parents last night, it's like stay involved. You know, we even handed out volunteer or servant leader handbooks. It's like one way, and we shared a story uh, with Jonathan Barry and JT is like, he's like, dude, I show up, I drop him off. I go home. I just sit on the couch for an hour and I come back and get him. He's like, but I, I, why don't I just serve? I was like, dude, let's go. And so yeah. we challenge every parent. It's like, get involved because yes. when they see you serving yes. and leading the way, they're going to be like, man, my dad, especially fathers, man, my dad, I want to mm-hmm. be like my dad uh, one day. That's what we, we need more men who are highly yeah. engaged. Yep. We had, I mean, some of our best small group leaders were men who truly cared about these young mm-hmm. guys. And I would say, man, like everybody always has more expectations for other people than they do themselves. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I would tell any parent of a student out there is never have higher expectations from the organization and from your kid that you don't have more for yourself. Yeah. To say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be your number one supporter. Because guess what? You got, we got six years. Mm-hmm. If they come from sixth grade to 12th grade, we got six years with them. If you can't say, I will prioritize one night a week for six years, 
for the betterment of my kids' faith, right. give them an environment. Oh, yeah. Then you do it for a lot of other reasons. Do it for, I mean, yes. yeah, we'll stay know. on the ball field for yes. three or four nights out of the week, practices, yep. but and we neglect the their faith. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. how upside down thinking yeah. is that? So we got one more, one more key to victory. Anybody want to throw in an, an extra key to victory? Girls, anybody? What would you highly encourage people out there today? Say, be patient, get tough, don't quit. There you go. There we go. Hey, man, it's been fun today. Girls, I love y'all. Love you. It's been awesome. Thank y'all for saying yes. I know this is not the most comfortable thing for Maya to do, uh, but I'm proud of you for stepping out of your comfort zone and talking today. Very proud of you. I think y'all are both beautiful young women who are going to do amazing things, uh, not because you're pastor's kids Mm. or because you're perfect, but because God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Um, So don't forget, check us out www.madetowinpodcast.com follow me on social media at bpettygc on Instagram and then Brandon Petty on Facebook uh, you can check us out on Spotify and on YouTube mm-hmm. if you like to if you want to watch this conversation you can watch it on YouTube <laughs> uh, if you're just listening to your headphones we're obviously we're on Spotify and iTunes uh, podcast so uh, just a reminder today that we were made to win but winning Starts within.